When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. First of all, I'm going to call you Cristo because that's what it says on your on your uh, picture here. But I just realized that in English, your name sounds very much and very appropriately like Crystal Ball. Crystal uh, yes. Ball. Well, there's a classic that classic Frank Zappa song with a. There's a crystal ball called I don't know maybe that doesn't ring a bell but it is a it is a, it's the perfect sample for me. <laughs> oh, it's, sorry, it's great because that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um. So first of all, how um how wonderful to be able to meet you for a number of reasons and welcome you and say hello. Um. You know that I've had the opportunity to meet and work alongside many composers, and so I'm familiar with lots of approaches, but I must say, Cristo, that upon hearing your music and now doing a deeper dive into your music, mm. I think I have entered a new arena. <laughs> I think, and I say that in the most excited way that I'm hearing ways of scoring film that I've never quite imagined before. And I want to say to you, you have a new fan. Wow. <laughs> and you have someone who is truly in awe of what you're doing. And I, I, I really... I have a number of questions, but I'm going to share one more thing. It's funny, when you mentioned the Zappa song, and I thought, well, I know so much Zappa, and I've seen him. And yeah. I, and, I, and, of course, you name one song, I'm thinking, do I know that? Uh, God, it's not, not going to Montana soon. Um, I mean, <laughs> I, but, uh, but you also, your work, I realized, made me think of something very kind of unrelated to film scoring. It's the work of a early 20th century artist named Max Ernst. Yeah. Max Ernst was a surrealist and a collagist. Hmm. And he made images from very, very disparate items. And he really is the kind of the father of the surreal collage and i realized listening to your music you're the father of the surreal film music collage <laughs> i think so uh wow Th that's amazing i love that uh, i i i do feel it. it's a it's a it's a little bit of, uh, of a collage uh, a little bit of dadaism maybe Something like that, uh, <laughs> musical Dadaism. I don't know, but uh, I mean, yeah. Do you think of 
um, musical Dadaism when you wrote any of these scores? Did did the visual element come into it, or is it a purely musical instinct that you have? Because I want to ask about mm. that instinct, but I wondered, does it come from just music sources, or is there a visual component to the way you conceptualize music? Um, I think it's such a fast uh, process particularly uh this like this project uh, the, the the white lotus uh uh it, it was so fast that uh i uh i don't think i have any kind of um let's say i didn't have the time to really overthink anything or even think about it that much um uh, so I basically had a conversation with with the the, the creator with Mike White, uh, yeah. a short conversation. Uh, we were on the same page, and after that, I went into the studio for about three weeks. I recorded everything uh, that I could record uh, as far as percussions and uh, flutes and whatnot, um, uh, based only on the instinct of what we spoke about. Uh, a few things that we spoke about was to, uh, for example, uh, make the uh, make people feel like there's going to be a sacrifice. That's, that is one of the things uh, that even if there's nothing happening on, on screen that, that says that something like that is going to happen or whatever, uh, we wanted the, the music to maybe force people to dig deeper in what's happening, uh, into the characters, into the subtext, in between the lines, and what... Um, uh, maybe bringing terrifying things about these characters to the front that normally we're so used to people being awful sometimes depending on where what kind of job you have or whatever but for these people like a hotel like that which are constantly dealing with you know uh, infantilism and uh, you know people that are, are really awful and and all of that so i suppose maybe the music is also amplifying that uh, making a bit of a caricature uh, of the characters. I don't know. I suppose there's lots, so many things that uh, one could write about what the music is doing. But for me, the process, it was completely 100% instinct. And uh, for example, if, if um, melodically or harmonically, I'm doing things, for example, people were talking a lot about the theme that there's a tritone and there's like Baroque, like, like witchery, witch music and, uh, and this and that influences. Uh, it's uh, once again, it's, I'm playing that stuff like I would play the blues on the guitar or whatever. It's just I needed to feel that tension and I just went for those kind of chords and whatnot. So it's really, really fast. Um, I didn't want like a dance track that is all, you know, happiness and whatever. It's, it, it's a celebration, but it's a, it's a really tense and celebration. And maybe there's, uh, you know, there's uh, things that might happen that are obscure or dark, or there's some insinuations there, I suppose. Um, I, I've been receiving lots of comments of people who feel so anxious because of the music. Uh, people who like the music, like they, they love the music, like they love the theme, but they, they feel it's so ominous and so uh, like this, they're afraid even or or this and that. And and, and to me, that's quite surprising, uh, I have to say, because I didn't think it was that ominous. 
I, I think they're still, it's still very groovy and you can dance to it and, and whatnot, but the people really grab on the ominous thing, the ominous part, and they feel afraid of it. And I'm not sure exactly what, what that is, but um, um, so I, I've been like understanding what happened, uh, what we did with the show afterwards, not really while I was doing it. It was too fast for me to really, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, first, I mean, I, I never thought that this would be so popular that people will really grab on this show. Like uh, I went on this because I read the script and I, and I thought the script was brilliant and that's it. I didn't even know that much about Mike White's previous work or anything. I mean, I wasn't even aware that he's, he's, he's an amazing writer and all of that. So I really went into this just because of the script. Uh, and then, um, uh, yeah, uh, afterwards, it's, uh, it's just, it, I mean, there's so much in what you say right now. First of all, I absolutely love every note of that score. And I have to listen to it in the right emotional place because you just articulate what it is. It makes me anxious. Yeah. It makes me <laughs> excited and anxious. And yeah. I've never thought why except you sort of explained then the next part of it, which is there's something very tribal that's about mm -hmm. to happen. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of, it's funny you said sacrifice. I know mm -hmm. it's Hawaiian Hitchcock, somebody yeah. said. Yeah. But there's something in the music that is just unsettling. It's just, mm. it's it's beautiful and kind of scary emotionally. And so how you did that is then the third part of what you said is, <laughs> I love the fact that you didn't overthink it, as you said, mm. that it came out. It's very similar, of course, to a jazz musician getting up on stage and somebody saying, here's the general tempo and here's the key we're in. Mm. Let's go improvise and play. And since you didn't have a lot of time, yeah. you responded emotionally to the content, mm. but, uh, and couldn't have known, I think as everyone's saying, how that music fit in the, both fit and played against that story mm. is just that's where I think you are the crystal ball. This is a new <laughs> way of looking at how to score pictures because it's it just it's intrusive in the most beautiful way. It says, "Oh, I, hi, I'm here. The music is here, telling you stuff." God, please, <laughs> there's something really <laughs> remarkable about that. I have some questions for you that I've been dying to know, and I'm sure you've yeah. done. I've read many of your interviews, but I'm not sure I've learned how in the world Mike White found you. I know you had Utopia out there, and you had other successes out there. Um, the Crimson Petal and the mm. White. I've started to look through the Black Mirror episode. Yeah. Do you know what he heard and said, oh, this sounds like the guy that, for me that's that's the one is a black mirror uh he uh, ah. he basically used some he was using black, uh, my score for black mirror in as a temp uh, score in the in the show 
and, and uh, there was one particular track in the Black Mirror that uh, he was basically using it everywhere. Like he was literally in, in like in almost every scene. Uh, and so, so uh, yeah, I mean, they, uh, I think they call me wow. only only because of that because they were struggling uh, for for a long time, uh, as I understand it. Uh, this is why I had so little time because they, they, it took them like a very long time to, to, to find out what they wanted out of the music, I, I suppose. And they tried lots of stuff that didn't work out. They didn't want comedic music, like straightforward comedic music or anything like that. So, sure. um, and this, and the Black Mirror music was just working for him for some reason. And, uh, I think they call me because of that. And, uh, yeah. I listened to some of that score. Is it the Crazy Diamond episode? I think that was uh, the, uh, the episode. Uh, uh, Crazy Diamond, that's Electric Dreams, uh, Philip K. Dick. Oh, that was Electric Dreams. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so, Black Mirror, uh, it's, uh, yeah, that's Black Museum. It's right, called Black, Black Museum. Museum. I've yeah, listened yeah. to so much of your music in mm -hmm. the last week that there. And it's curious. The only reason I mentioned it is that um, I think it was the Electric Dreams was a little more legato and yeah. kind of strings. And this yeah. is so. First of all, I've started to realize, and I, I, I guess I've learned that you're a drummer. You yeah. are a funky drummer. These are <laughs> funky musical things. Not only are you a funky drummer, but I rarely hear you play the kit like a drummer would kind of kick, you know, yeah. boom dish. We're going to play it. Maybe I, I listen to the utopia theme. Yeah. And it sounds like PVC. Uh, yeah. Kind of. Are they yeah. tubes? Yeah. 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 Cause tubes. I did this thing with the blue man group once. Oh, I, I, I did wow. a, I, I did a score with blue man and I yeah. went to their, their studio in, I think in, in Brooklyn. And I, they played all these PVC tubes for sounds. Of course, that's part of their trip. And I haven't thought about it for years. And then when I heard the Utopia theme, I thought, all those sounds, I thought. <laughs> yeah. I think. And then it sounds like you play a kit on top of it. Uh, but yeah. um, it's amazing rhythm. <laughs> the rhythm concept. Yeah. 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 Uh... Well, yeah, I, I don't know. It may be, um, I, I, I don't know what uh, my, where my concept of rhythms uh, were, was built, but uh, I suppose. Were you uh, always maybe, a drummer? Uh, yes. Have you always uh, been a drummer? I in, mean, what, in, when, in bands and. Yeah, yeah. So when I was a kid, I started uh, drumming, you know, in, with card boxes and I would make my own drums. And then at some point when uh, I moved to Canada and at some point... Uh, from I had Chile. Any, from Chile, yeah. Because in Chile, I didn't have anything. So I was just making my own stuff. Uh, but then at some point, I got a drum here and um, uh, I was always in bands, but I was also studied in the conservatory. So I, I had this classical training stuff going on, but I had all, all these bands in any style. Like I had heavy metal bands, so folk, uh, jazz, whatever, and a pop, like super pop uh, music too, and stuff like that. 
So, uh, so, so uh, the popular. Well, I listened to one ton. Yeah, I listened to your band one ton. Super Sex World. You listened to that? It's very. <laughs> it's I did. Of course, I went and saw the YouTube video. Um, it's very different musically than where you are now. So clearly, you were, and it was a really cool track. But it's just clearly you've evolved. But it's funny you you say classical metal pop. Your film scoring is none of those things. It's well, you. Your it, film scoring is a very unique approach. That well, that that, that makes me very happy. I, I really appreciate everything you're saying. It's, it's so, uh, it's very, uh, it's very inspiring. And, and uh, uh, how you say, you know, sometimes you, you need permission from people. You, you, people need to give you some kind of permission to be who you are. When, uh, and uh, as an artist, when you're evolving, it, you you don't always have that. And uh, as far as the composition world, uh, being a composer, uh, for me personally, I feel like uh, a kind of an imposter or something, because I, I was I I have zero training whatsoever about writing music for uh, for the screen uh, for images and anything. So I'm completely improvised. Uh, I, I went into this and then uh, once I was into this world and I did Utopia and I realized I could work in this and nothing else because it, it's working great and people like it and I uh, and so on. Um, uh, it, took, it, it took me, I mean, even till now, I don't feel like, I, I'm not sure that composers, like like serious composers in this business, maybe maybe they don't take me seriously or something like that. You know, I have insecurities about whatever because I don't have much references for what I do uh, in the sense that when my, my, the first thing that I did that I felt like uh, I could be a composer was uh, this show called Utopia in 2013. Um, but when I did that, uh, I, I, it was highly experimental. Like I was doing something really for my own fun, uh, not only doing like a job. I was doing the job for the show, like obviously helping the characters and everything. But I, um, I felt very connected to the music too. But I knew that this is not how you work. Uh, I, I knew that this is the music. I felt that it was odd. Uh, I felt that while we were working, uh, I, I, I didn't know. Sometimes I felt it was uh, really awesome and fantastic. And then uh, five minutes later, I, I'm like, oh, no, this is too funny. And uh, this is a torture scene and I'm making funny music. What am I doing? And it's a catastrophe. And then like the day before this, the show came out, uh, in the UK, I thought it was going to be really a catastrophe. Like it was the last time I was going to try to be a composer and people are going to say that I destroyed the show and whatnot. So that, that's my, that, that's the insecurity part of, of uh, what's so wonderful about hearing you say that number one, your modesty is lovely. Number two, all artists feel some version of what you've described, but there's a great irony in what you're saying in that your ability to not, I think the appropriate expression is not give a fuck in some ways, even though I know you do, <laughs> but just to have fun with it. You know, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to, has allowed you to be 
unique in a way that I'm not sure you appreciate. And I guarantee you that every other composer, they're taking you very seriously right now. You have really stretched a boundary. You also have a hit show with yeah. a hit score. So there's something, and you know, you, I'm sure you know enough about the history of art and artists that it's often a when they say i don't care what anybody thinks i'm just going to do what is fun and funny mm. that they break through because there's no pressure i even heard strangely enough you know another canadian the um finalist at the u.s open the young lady Layla fernandez who said there's no expectation that i would be here in the finals um so there's no pressure and mm. I thought that's really lovely. She's 18 years old. Mm. Nobody thought she'd be all the way. So there's a certain beauty to what you're saying about how you did Utopia. And, of course, to see it have that response. Yeah. But the interesting thing I thought is when you said getting permission, because mm. you're in a very unique place as a film composer where often, even though they tell you you know, it's like, they'll tell you this, but don't believe them. Yeah, I want you to be yourself. Mm. Yeah, go for it. Tell us mm. what you hear. And then the studio comes in or the mm. producers come in or the director comes in and says, oh, I don't know, man, that, that makes me nervous. <laughs> and then you do have to, you do have to get permission. So in some yeah. ways, I just hope you get directors that will say, this is, I want him to, to do what he hears. I mean, that leads me to another question. Mm. Out of curiosity, is there some is there something that's coming up that you can share just because did anybody hear that and say, I want that guy? Here White Lotus or Utopia or it's it's been really uh, overwhelming uh, actually. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's really it's crazy because uh, like right now I'm turning down uh, like a million projects that I, I, I'd like to do, but I can't because I, I, I signed for a project. I, I'm doing a movie. Um, I can't really say uh, it's, it's really it's okay. early to start saying what it is, but, but yep. I'm, I'm going to be on that movie until next year. Uh, it's a, it's a yeah. kind of a, it's, it's a long deal a little bit, but I was signed to this project before the white Lotus came out. So, oh. so, so, but happily for me, it, it's a big project and, and I, I would want to be in that project and nothing else and anyhow. So I, uh, even That's though I, I, I'm, I'm getting all these projects, um, that I have to turn down. So, but, um, um, yeah, nice. yeah. Listen, I worked, we, we, uh, we had a great conversation after she scored Chernobyl with Hilder Gudnadotter. Yeah. Another very adventurous yeah. composer. She said she was working on a project. She couldn't talk to us about it, but it starred Joaquin Phoenix and it was kind of a special <laughs> thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she, she said she was, she'd flown from Berlin to LA to work with him and yeah. work with the director. Um, you know, it turns out, of course, it's Joker. But after yeah. that, she, she took a long time to kind of pick projects. I don't think there's any pressure for you to do anything yeah, other than something that fits. Because one of the things I'm going to share, at least the benefit of all those movies I worked on, some directors will come to you and say, I want, I want that. But 
you must be careful. They think they want it. Oh man, uh, you have, I know, I know exactly what you're saying. I, I hope know. so, because I've been in that, <laughs> I've actually had really great, I've had really great composers on films I'm working on yeah. come to me and say, why did I even take this? He wants a really kind of traditional square yeah. inside the pocket score, and he thought, give me something really odd, I don't want, you know, this has got to make the film really idiosyncratic. And then he'd hear the score that he asked for and say, so be careful. <laughs> See, uh, it's funny because what happens to me is because what the first thing that I did was odd, uh, like a, a utopia, let's say people in general were calling me all the, all the time because of utopia. So people will call me because they want to be bold. And they will start by saying, this is a bold show and we, we need bold and everything's bold and bold. And, and now when I, when I hear that, that word bold, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, man. In general, the people that I work with that were actually bold, they never mentioned the word bold. This is almost like children that let's be cool. Let's be bring this new guy to do cool music and our project is going to be cool. And then it's like they shit their pants and it's like, oh, no, it's, it's too much. It's That's too much. Perfect. Everything is too much. <laughs> I think you just articulated what is the one word to look out for, which is uh bold when someone says they're bold <laughs> I, I you've really nailed it you what you just made me realize i read something a day or two ago about two people that worked together and one of them showed up wearing something that was kind of his partner said you're just trying too hard man That's not you. <laughs> just take the take the jacket off he said really i thought maybe it, no you know so sometimes the directors wear that funny jacket for a minute to think, do I look young and cool? No, man, it's not your movie. It's not you. <laughs> Just because you hired Cristo to score it isn't going to instantly make what's on screen. And you're absolutely right. What I really love is the people that are genuinely cool, they don't talk about it. <laughs> they, don't, they don't have to tell you to be cool. They're hiring you because they want an artist. Mm. Yeah. And that's just wonderful. I want to ask about something else that I'm really stunned by, which is the way you use voices, real voices. Yeah. In other words, what you're doing for me is redefining not only the way scores are used narratively, which is radical what you're doing but the elements in the score which of course i've heard percussion and score and of course i've heard voices and score mm. but they're used in traditional ways mm. the percussion usually is on two and four or maybe the cue is in three and that's lovely and the voices are kind of lyrical oh we you know get us a female voice to show that it's a female character you know you hear all that stuff um but you use the voices, first of all, percussively, which is trippy, but also sonically. Is that something, first of all, technically, do you sample singers in your studio and play their yeah, samples so, on a keyboard? 
so most of the time uh, it's going to be a blend of um, I have uh, like two singers, two or three singers uh, that I've been using uh, since uh, forever, uh, and it's always I, I've made banks of sounds with them. I also record them uh, actually singing a melody, like a live melody. For example, I did this show uh, called The Third Day, where there's some live yeah. singing. So uh, um, that's not process or anything. But uh, often when I experiment to come up with a texture or something uh, different uh, with the voices, I'm kind of looking for the two things in the voice um, uh, so the, the 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 first thing thing uh, for me is because it's very moving, it's very close uh, to the human ear, the range of the voice, and it's just very familiar. And I like close voices too, uh, like I have like an, an intimacy uh, with the voices, uh, and for me that's always that just uh, grabs me. Um, it, it, it's just more uh, it grabs me emotionally, and it's interesting and, and everything. So. Um, often what I've done is that I would play, uh, on a keyboard, for example, sometimes I, I would, um, I would use, uh, I, I would have complex systems. Sometimes I, I would record a voice. I would ask to a for a lower note, and then I would play mm. that lower register so that it sounds, uh, normal, that, that it sounds, uh, uh, plausible, that it's a human. But sometimes I'm doing uh, stuff that uh, it makes things unsettling, I think, by by blending how natural and, and recognizable uh, these voices are, but doing a little twist that is like, if you try to sing it, you couldn't, you could not sing it, or, or, or you realize there's something wrong, there's something going on there that is not human-like. But I don't like using uh, digital effects. Like I don't like voices that sound like a robot, for example, like auto-tune or things sure. like that. Uh, I would leave the, pretty much everything out of tune. In general, the voices are never really, really tuned and the pitch is drifting and stuff. So I really need that organic uh, thing. Um, What's if I odd, you, though, is that... Yeah. Please, please continue. Uh, I'll just give you an example. Um, yes. Uh, uh, for the White Lotus in particular, for, for, the, uh, for the opening. Um, so I had this girl uh, doing uh, the Ulululus, like, like uh, one note, one long yeah. note. And then, um, so the, the, the obvious thing that you can do with a, with a sample, with a keyboard, is that you have this note assigned to every note so if you go up the scale then obviously as you know it's you have to and it's always the same performance just going faster and higher in pitch let's say in this case in this case i didn't want that because it's a it's kind of a recognizable effect at this point so i i took one very long voice doing for a while I put into a sampler, but I put the sampler in mono. So when I'm playing uh, in in legato with a portamento, the the it keeps playing. It doesn't start from the beginning on each note. It keeps playing like a legato. You know, you don't hear attacks. It it keeps playing until the end of, of the of the performance. Mm. 
So what, what that does is uh, there's lots of stuff uh, happening there, but one of the things is first, it's more organic because there's, oh, the, the, the voice is constantly changing throughout, even though there's a manipulation that makes it make it feel weird, but it's still um, unperfect. It's still someone doing this with the mouth and, and, and it's still moving. It's not like a robot or programming or anything like that. So, and uh, what happened with that is that I, I could have a really clear melody uh, that I could sing, but also um, if I have live singers doing something like that, sorry about my my performance there. Uh, it's perfect it, and it freaks me out a little bit because I know that cue. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, so if I have uh, people doing this live, it would be a very, very different experience and it would feel organic and everything, but it would not be unsettling first. Uh, the When people t say that there's something unsettling about these voices or something, um, I'm trying to understand why, but maybe it's because, you know, in a, in a horror movie, sometimes you have a character that uh, could be human, but then you realize maybe this is not a human. Maybe this is an alien. Maybe there's something there. It's not a monster. It looks like you, but then you, it, it, there's something there. It's something I, I don't know about this. Uh, and it's like scary. Maybe that's a, a little bit unsettling. I don't know because you, you can't sing it. It's like, it's like weird. How, how is that working and everything? So it's, it's alien and organic at the same time, I would say. Uh, and, uh, which uh, I, I, I'm always looking for that kind of combination. Uh, um, contrary that to makes sense because mm. a lot of the scores combine sounds that, first of all, I'm not sure what the sounds are. Mm. They sound slightly synthetic, but then you think, well, that could be made by banging on something or maybe mm -hmm. it's an instrument that's treated. I think the only thing that, the use of voices makes me wonder is, you know, all all music in some ways, all instrumental music or a lot of instrumental music is instruments that try and express, obviously, human emotion, but human yes. voices, you know, does that violin sound like someone singing in that register? Yeah. Does the, you know, the wind instrument sound like a voice? Here you're using actual voices, so there's always kind of a hairs on the back of your neck feeling when you hear mm. a voice no matter how much you think is there human or alien yeah is yeah. it trippy it mm. made me think of a score that's probably 50 years old that was the first time i heard voices used in a way that was really unsettling it's a score for a jane fonda movie called clute oh clute that's amazing legendary scary movie but the composer whose name was michael small yeah was kind of a big like 60s and 70s composer when freaky shit is happening you hear yeah you know this kind of disembodied human voice and it's like <laughs> oh god no what's gonna happen um and I realized that you could have it voices be like an instrument. It tells you something. I mean, it's unclear. Is it, it's it's obviously a woman's voice, but it's also used in a weird way. I didn't think of that score until I saw White Lotus and heard. 
and thought, oh, it's doing the same. It's doing the same thing to me. Um, but I think what's interesting is how you're combining also. First of all, I love the fact you say you don't know anything about film scoring. Maybe that's a blessing in disguise because mm. obviously you do. And obviously the danger for new fans of Cristo is that you're going to learn a lot about film scoring and will be less risky with, I don't know, maybe this works and maybe it doesn't. So please don't learn too much about film scoring because <laughs> whatever you're doing right now is so unique. It's just fabulously unique. Well, thank I think you, it's, <laughs> there's, there's an orchestral element. There's certainly, you know, you said that you, you were a drummer who then went to the conservatory. Mm. Where did you learn synthetic manipulation and synths and sampling and all that? Was that something that just was part of being in a band? Yeah, that's uh, that's just on my own. Uh, just learning to produce, uh, you know, making demos with cassette tapes. Um, you know, even even when the, when I was in Chile, I was experimenting with what I had. Like I had a little ghetto blaster with a double cassette, and uh, I, I would learn stuff. Like for example, uh, you know, you you had this uh, the, the the record button. Uh, if if you push the record button halfway, then the cassette starts recording double speed. And then when you stop that and then you play at normal speed, then you have these big sounds because it's playing like um, at low, at a slow speed what you recorded. So you could do like monsters and stuff like that. So to, to me, it was always really fascinating uh, coming, coming up with whatever sounds or, you know, experimenting. I want to ask you a couple things before we go. Yeah. Um, I know a musician from who has Chilean backgrounds and moved to the United States. And I just, I hadn't thought of him for a while. Do you know a musician named Nicholas Jarre? Yes. He's synthetic and dance and very experimental, but he, he he's Chilean. And it just made me think, mm. right, what's going on in Chile that these kind of really <laughs> interesting music... I also, um, are you in, in Montreal? Yeah. That's wonderful. Is, um, where is Feist based? Uh, she used to be in Toronto, but I don't Toronto. know if she, I don't know if she, she has moved. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Be I thought it might be cause she worked also with a kind of interesting experimental musician named Chili Gonzalez. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he's and, great. Um, I think he's Canadian, just, but he lives in Euro he lives in France or something, or, or in Germany. In Ber maybe. Yeah, maybe. Berlin. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Mm. I think that's it. It's just I I wanted to mention it because both those artists sort of are. It just made me think of of whether they were in similar territory. I read one last interesting thing, which is kind of poignant to to bring up that you were. I'm going to read it here that you were on a, a festival where you were part of the jury and another member of the jury was Michael K. Williams from yes. The Wire. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that was yeah, a Can. A few years ago. Did you, 
Yeah, can. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I had, we had a great Did time with Michael. I, he's, he was like the most amazing guy. Uh, yeah, it's this, amazing. This, this was hard, hard news uh, this week. Yeah. Yeah. I started watching The Wire this past weekend again. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen I've seen the whole series. Yeah. And I thought for him and because I loved it, I wanted to see it again and it's still great. Yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah. So, well, Cristo, I am hoping that my crystal ball is is correct <laughs> that you're going to be someone that I'm going to be asking you in a few years, "Hey man, do you remember we did a like a podcast interview i mean i know you've been interviewed a thousand times but hopefully you'll remember um geez i hope we get a chance to hear more of your work i'm sure we will and that maybe when you're in los angeles or i'm in montreal maybe we'll get a chance i'd love to see your your studio oh but yeah i know our fan our fans are excited i know you have huge new attention on you because of white lotus but it's incredibly well deserved so thank you thank you my friend and just keep rocking whatever you're doing don't change i will thank you so much i really appreciate it we will see you next time peace next time see you